0: From the East Coast and the sunny shores of South Carolina, welcome to Dark Reality. We'll be discussing the unknown from cryptoids to conspiracy theories and unusual happenings. I'm your host, John Ringo. Welcome to Dark Realities. Good evening, and welcome to Dark Reality. The story I'm going to talk about today is a story of dread, a story of sorrow. I'm talking about the windigo in the North Woods of Minnesota, the force of the Great Lake region and the central regions of Canada is said to live a malevolent being known as the Wendigo. This creature may appear as a monster with a few or some characteristics of a human or as a spirit who has possessed a human being and made them become monstrous. It is historically associated with cannibalism, murder, insatiable greed, and the cultural taboos against such behaviors known as several names. Wendigo. Witgo, Wee Tee Go. Each of them roughly translates to the evil spirit that devours mankind. This monster has long been known among the Algonquin. Obichi, East Cree, Saltix, West Maine Swampy Key, Nakipi, and Innu peoples who have described them as giants, many times larger than human beings, although descriptions can be very somewhat altering, common to all of these cultures is the view that the Wendigo is a malevolent, cannibalistic, supernatural being that is strongly associated with winter, the north, coldness, famine, and starvation. The Allegorquin legend describes the creature a giant with a heart of ice sometimes is thought to be entirely made of ice. Its body is skeletal and deformed with missing lips and toes. The Ojibwa describe it. It was a large creature, as tall as a tree, with a lipless mouth and jagged teeth. Its breath was a strange hiss, its footprints full of blood, and it ate any man, woman, or child who happened to venture into its territory, but those were the lucky ones. Sometimes the Windigo chose to possess a person instead, and then the luckless individual became a Windigo himself, hunting down those he had once loved and feasting upon their flesh. According to legend, a windigo is created whenever a human resorts to cannibalism to survive. In the past, this occurred more often when Indians and settlers found themselves stranded in the bitter snows and ice of the North Woods. Sometimes stranded for days, any survivors might felt compelled to cannibalize the dead in order to survive. Other versions of the legend cite that humans who display extreme greed, gluttony, and excess might also be possessed by the Wendigo. Thus, the myth served as a method of encouraging cooperation along with moderation. Native American versions of the creature spoke of a gigantic spirit over 15 feet tall that had once been human, but had been transformed into a creature by the use of magic. Though all of the descriptions of the creature vary slightly, the Wendigo is generally said to have glowing eyes, long yellowed fangs, terrible claws, and overly long tongue. Sometimes They are described as having swallow, yellowish skin, and other times depicted to be covered with matted hair. The creature is said to have a number of skills and powers, including stealth. The creature is also depicted to be a near-perfect hunter known to use every every inch of its territory and only control the weather through the use of dark magic. They're also portrayed as simultaneously gluttonous and emancipated from starvation. Windigos are said to be cursed to wander the land eternally, seeking to fulfill their voracious appetite for human flesh. And if there is nothing left to eat, it starves to death. The legend lends its name to the disputed modern medical term, Wendigo psychosis, which is considered by some psychiatrist to be a syndrome that creates an intense craving for human flesh and a fear of becoming a cannibal. Ironically, this psychosis is said to occur within people living around the Great Lakes of Canada and the United States. Wendigo psychosis usually develops in the winter in individuals who are isolated by heavy snow for long periods of time. The initial syndrome and the symptoms are poor appetite, nausea, and vomiting. Subsequently, the individual develops a delusion of being transformed into a wendigo monster. People who have wendigo psychosis increasingly see others around them as being edible. At the same time, they have an exaggerated fear of becoming cannibals. The most common response when a person shows signs of Wendigo psychosis was a curing attempt by traditional Native healers. In case of the past, if these attempts failed, and if the possessed person began either to threaten others around them or to act violently, or antisocial. They were executed. There have been reports regarding the psychosis dating back hundreds of years. A 1661 Jesuit relations document stated what caused us greater concern was the intelligence that met us upon entering the lake. Namely, that the men disputed by our conductor for the purpose of shooming the nations to the north and assigning them a rendezvous where they were to await our coming had met their deaths the previous winter in a very strange manner those poor men were seized with an ailment unknown to us but not very unusual among the people we were seeking they were afflicted with neither lunacy Hypochondria or frenzy, but have a combination of all these species of disease which afflict their imaginations and cause them a more of a canine hunger. This makes them so ravenous for human flesh that they pounce upon women, children, and even upon men. Like variable werewolves, they devour them voraciously, without being able to appease or glut their appetite, ever seeking fresh prey, and the more greedily, and the more they ate. This ailment attacked our deputies. And, as death is the sole remedy among these simple people for checking such acts of murder, they were slain in order to stay the course of the madness. Another document, case occurred in 1878, when a Plains Cree trapper from Alberta named Swift Runner suffered one of the worst cases known. Swift Runner was a trader with the Hudson Bay Company who was married and had, and was the father of six children. In 1875, he served as a guide for the Northwest Mounted Police. During the winter of 1878-1879, Swift Runner and his family were starving, along with most other Cree families. His eldest son was the first to die of starvation, and at some point Swift Runner succumbed to the Wendigo psychosis. Through emergency food supplies were available at Hudson Bay Company post some 25 miles away he did not attempt to travel there rather he killed the remaining members of his family and consumed them he eventually confessed to the confessed and was executed by authorities at fort Sakuachin. a Wendigo allegedly made a number of appearances near the town of Rasu in northern Minnesota from the late 1800s to the 1920s. Each time was reported an unexpected death followed it, and finally it was seen no more. Another well-known case involving Wendigo psychosis was that of Jack Fiddler, an OG Cree chief and medicine man, known for his powers at defeating Windigos. Fiddlers claimed to have defeated fourteen Windigos during the span of his lifetime. Some of these creatures were said to have been sent by enemy shamans. Others were members of his own band who had been taken with the unsatiable, incurable desire to eat human flesh. In the latter case, Fiddler was usually asked by family members to kill a very sick loved one before they turned Wendigo. Fiddler's own brother, Pete Flett, was killed after turning Wendigo. When the food ran out on a trading expedition, Hudson Bay traders, the Cree, the missionaries were all aware of the Wendigo legend. <laughs> In 1907, Fiddler and his brother Joseph were arrested by the Canadian authorities for murder. Jack committed suicide, but Joseph was tried and sentenced to a life of prison. He ultimately was granted a pardon, but died three days later in jail before receiving the news of his pardon. Among the Asseboni and Cree and the Ojibwe, a satirical ceremony dance is sometimes perform, performed during times of famine to reinforce the seriousness of the Wendigo taboo. The frequency of Wendigo psychosis cases decreased sharply in the 20th century as the native americans came into greater and greater contact with western ideologies however windigo creatures slightly or i'm sorry windigo creatures sightings are still reported especially in northern ontario near the cave of the Windigo, and around the town of Kenona, where it has allegedly been spotted by traders, trackers, and trappers for decades. There are many who still believe that the Windigo roams the woods along with the prairies of northern Minnesota and Canada. Kenora, Ontario, Canada, has been given the title of Wendigo Capital of the World by many. Sightings of the creature in this area have continued well into the millennium. My second story for tonight. The Dover Demon. The Dover Demon, a small humanoid reported from Dover, Massachusetts. It was the subject of an intensive scare during the 1970s. When multiple witnesses came forward with their sightings, the Dover Demon. Is described as looking sort of like a gray variety of alien. Except that it has skin of a rosy orange instead of a sticky gray. The Dover Demon has a large head on a small stick-like body. It can be bipedal but it often travels on all fours or switches back and forth between the two modes of locomotion. It has eyes that glow, sometimes orange, sometimes green. It does not seem to wear any clothes unless the clothing fits tightly and is the same color as its body. unlike the grays. The Dover Demon does not seem to be associated with UFOs. It just wanders around on its own. Cryptozootologists seldom show interest in the Dover Demon. Mainstream cryptozootologists are rarely willing to seriously investigate the humanoids other than hairy humanoids such as Sasquatch, Yeti. It seems that sightings only happen during short periods of time with most claiming that sightings have now increased so the Dover Demon does not seem to be a pressing matter. Seems to show up mostly at nighttime, but has been spotted during the daylight hours. Skeptics usually claim that the Dover demon was simply a lost baby moose glimpsed under unusual conditions that made it seem like a bizarre humanoid that sometimes went on all fours. People who don't believe that explanation point, they point out that all sightings happen during the wrong time of year for a moose that small to exist. And they also point out that in Massachusetts, it's far from normal moose habitat. Even if such an orphan moose had been wandering around so close to populated areas, it seemed as though it would have been easily captured if the explanatory power of the baby moose explanation appeals to you then you could get around the worst objection by substituting a creature that does actually exist in the area and can be born under any time of the year. A baby calf, an orange furled orphan calf would have been more likely candidate for such a proposal than a baby moose. Other suggested explanations include a monkey, a dog, an alien, a mutation, or simply a hoax. Another explanation would would be that it's escaped and illegal to own, such as an alligator or a gibbon. Some species of gibbon have orange babies. White-cheeked gibbons have an orange color in females. The creature's body reminds people who have witnessed this monstrosity of a monkey, except for its dark figure eight shaped head, its eyes two lighter spots in the middle of its head. Seems as though they're looking straight at you. It's been noted That once eye contact has been established, a very uneasy feeling of dread comes over the person who is looking at the Dover Dover Demon. Most time, anxiety sets in with rapid heartbeats. Sweats the feeling of dread. I want to thank everybody for tuning in to Dark Reality. Also, want to remind everybody to subscribe. Until our next adventure, goodbye.